High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. All right, go to Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4. So tonight, um, I'm like I'm like driving this like it's a car. Um, tonight, basically what I want to do um, is I, I want to have a, just a conversation about um, about the, rea- the, the spiritual reality that many of you are going to come to face, if not already, but in the coming weeks. How many of you are excited to go back to school in two weeks? Joel is. No. Amen. Joel is. Thaddeus, didn't you graduate, man? So in just a sh- couple of short weeks, most of who's here starting college? You know, going starting college. Where are the college kids at? Hey, hey, good luck. Love you. You know, in here, just have a career and just have to go to work every day, no matter the season. I said, there you go. Yeah, yeah. There we are. There's the real people right there. I'm sorry. Get out of here. But for most of you, um, regardless of if you're a high, junior high student, high school student, young adult, work and have a, like a job and are married and all the other stuff, there are very specific things that I believe the enemy that Satan tries to do in our lives, uh, typically after a pretty great spiritual victory. Um, most of it, who here was that movement? Just raise your hands. So you all enjoyed movement this year? It'll be bigger and better next year. Um, but there are things that I have noticed just over time um, that it's almost like I can mark my calendar because it's the same things happen year after year after year. The hardest time to be a youth pastor is in August. Anyone want to take a crack at it as to why it's the hardest time? Bree. School starts. And what happens when school starts? Ju- ju- so, yeah, I heard it. Josiah, you want me to take a crack at it? Baseball starts. Baseball starts. Yeah, baseball kids. What would you say, Bella? Yes, your environment changes. And so all of a sudden, I could probably tell. I genuinely think I am, like, so good at this. I feel like if God took me outside of time... And he placed me in a youth group and said, just tell me what time of year it is I could be able to do so at any point in the year. I think I could tell when it's August. I think I can tell when it's, I'd be able to tell you when it's summer. I'd be able to tell you when it's Valentine's Day. Right? I could tell you when it's Christmas time. I could tell you when it's spring break. I'm serious. This is something like what I really want to break down for you tonight is not just like, oh, yes, I guess that's true. These are things that this is how he treated Jesus. So in Matthew chapter four, um, go with, if you're there, if you're there, say you're there. All right. If you're not there, say, hold on. Golly. Um, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. And so um, if you go there, you'll probably realize that this is a story when Jesus is, not Jesus, or yes, Jesus, I can't talk, guys, I haven't preached in a month, give me a break. Jesus is led by, by the Spirit to the wilderness. And it says he is tempted and he prays and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, for anyone who's been here for the past like six months, should be able to tell me who spent 
40 years in the desert. I heard it. The Israelites. Who here also, at two different times, we talked about this in our wilderness series. I know it's a long time ago for some of you. Who here also prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights? Not Jesus. Moses. Moses did. And so when we go through this story, there are a ton of parallels between the Israelites and Moses and what they dealt with and now Jesus. And so if you go to Matthew chapter 4, um, <coughs> sorry, uh, verses 1, it says this. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Everyone say he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, now listen, I want you to pay real close attention. This is Satan speaking to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, everyone say, if you are the Son of God. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered Jesus, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, so let's talk about this for a moment. Is bread sinful? No. Why is Satan tempting Jesus with bread? Well, yeah, he's hungry. Okay, he's fasting. He's trying to go against the word of God. He's trying to go against the word of God. Okay. Imagine just for a moment. Now, I don't think anyone in this room has ever gone 40 days without eating or drinking anything. But I want you to go to the point in your life when you would say, like, you were the hungriest you've ever been. And Satan shows up and is like, hey, just eat this. Do you feel like at that point it's sinful? Maybe. Everyone's so afraid to answer that question. I was like, I don't know. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Christ for just a moment. So directly before Matthew 4, Jesus is baptized in water. It's one of the like, most pivotal moments in all of Scripture. It's the only time we find in Scripture where the, the Trinity all act in one moment. The Father speaks over the Son, the Son is baptized in water, and the Holy Spirit descends upon the Son like a dove. It's the only time in all of Scripture we can find where the, the, the Trinity operating individually, but all at the same time. So Jesus is baptized and then immediately after that, it says the Spirit leads him into the wilderness where he goes and he fasts and he prays for 40 days. This is directly before he starts his ministry. And so this, this story really sets it up to where Jesus should be like primed and good to go to start the most important ministry to ever take place. But what happens before Jesus starts gathering disciples, gathering followers, performing miracles, he's tempted. And so in the same way, I praise, I genuinely believe that the same things that Satan tempted Jesus with are the same things he tempts us with and typically tempts us with about this time of year, especially for you junior high and high school kids, especially coming off like any time I just want to, I'm going to be the bearer of bad news for a moment. Okay. And if you're here on Thursday, you kind of heard me preach this a little bit already. Anytime you experience a great spiritual victory in your life, the enemy is going to come and try to ruin that for you. Okay? There are times where it, I don't want us to ever fall for this trap of being like on a spiritual high 
And you feel like this is the best. This is, I feel like me and Jesus are like locked in hand in hand and like he can't, we're never going to separate and I'm never going to leave the church. And I know what, I'm probably never even going to sin again because I told God I wasn't going to do it anymore. And we become like almost so arrogant to think like this is now the real me. This is who I am. I just want to bring you back down to earth a little bit. And if you haven't experienced this already, you will experience this regardless of if you're in high school or not. These are things the enemy will do in our life. So now we've got Jesus after 40 days of praying and fasting, the closest, closest to the Father he probably is his entire life. And the first temptation Satan comes with, he says, hey, you're hungry. Turn the rock into bread. Turn the rock into bread. Eat. What's wrong with that? The wilderness time is up. The 40 days has ended. Turn the rock into bread. Eat. End your fast. Anyone? I'm not going to let you answer. But (laughs) I'm sure you have great theological insight into this. I I want you to think about the things Jesus is dealing with. So listen, listen to the words he says. He says, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hear me. I think Jesus understood that even a good thing supplied by the wrong source can makes it makes it an evil thing. And so many of you need to understand this truth in your life. Sometimes I think we 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 fall for this trap of thinking like Satan can only tempt us with bad things. I need you guys to wake up and, and, and grasp this idea that most failures that happen in young Christians' life don't come because, because Satan tempts people with methamphetamine. Most of the time, he tempts good Christian people with good things in the wrong season. And because we're like, oh, well, that's a good thing. That's a, or that's at least an okay thing. That's a neutral thing. But if it's, if it's coming from the wrong place or if it's, the, if it's not in the right time, it can become an evil thing. I, I so badly want you guys to grasp a hold of it, especially for those of you that are going back into school. Because the moment some of you go back into school, you will realize that you might be offered uh, certain friendships or opportunities that might seem like they are fine. I want you to have the spiritual insight to start asking yourself the question, are these, is this friendship, is this person, is this whatever opportunity, position, club, table at lunch. Could this be a, an okay thing, but the, the wrong timing? The issue with commanding the, 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 the stones to turn into the bread wasn't that bread's an evil thing. Jesus eats bread a lot in his life. We all eat bread. It was that the timing was not right. And if we would have the, the spiritual uh, maturity to understand how important timing is in our lives, you will save yourself from many pitfalls. Many, 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 many. It's like, it's like dating when you're 13. This doesn't make sense. It's like dating whenever you know you probably can't get married for a super long time, Right? It's like it's doing something intentionally out of season and you're giving a foothold to the enemy to do something in your life. I love what Jesus says to him. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Jesus is obviously physically very hungry. But what Jesus does, and you'll notice all three times that Satan tempts him with something, Jesus always quotes back to him Deuteronomy chapter 8. All three quotes Jesus gives to him are out of Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's a chapter, it's a book, and a chapter written by Moses talking to the Israelites. And these are things he is basically saying back to Satan. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Basically saying to Satan, no, I don't need it. My time's not up. I haven't been told this fast is over. I haven't been told that that, that the next season has come, and I'm fine. See, Satan is tempting Jesus' man, his his human, his, his mankindness, a little bit, mankindness. It sounds weird. So many of us, I think we fall for the trap where Satan comes and he might present something to us and because it might look good, smell good, or the idea is even good. I'm like, oh, this is a good thing. I want you to understand most of the downfalls in life that happen in young people happen because we fall for things that seem good. Everyone knows Adam and Eve, right? What did, what did he tempt Eve with? What? I heard it. To be like God. I thought I heard it. When Satan tempts Eve in the garden, he doesn't, he doesn't wrap it and say, hey, Eve, you want to die? <laughs> he wraps it. He says, hey, Eve, you want to be more like God? Both things are true. She will die. She will be more like God because she'll have the knowledge of the good, of the good and evil. I want you guys to start thinking about things that maybe the enemy has actually been doing in your life for a long time, but because you can't identify it as evil or maybe not the right season, or because you have, you have taken hold of things, you're like, well, you know, God wants me to be happy, so if it makes me happy, it's from God. That's, that doesn't make sense. Well, God doesn't want me to be lonely, and, he, and so I need to hang out with these people because that's the only option I have. And I could go on. We could, we could talk about probably a whole bunch of different examples. Guys, just because something makes you feel good, just because something makes you not be lonely, or just because, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Just because it might meet a need in your life does not mean it's from God. I don't want, hear me, I hate sounding like this, but Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to pray and to fast for 40 days. Scientists today will tell you that man cannot go longer than 40 days without food before they die. Jesus is not just hungry. He's on the verge of death. Jesus is not just like, I haven't eaten in a while, man. I know I know how to make really good bread out of rocks. Jesus is on the verge of death. Like when we read this story, I don't want you just to imagine Jesus being like kind of uncomfortable and just kind of like, my blood sugar is low. <laughs> I, want, I need you to understand that what, the physical state Jesus is in is, is literally, his body is about to die. His body is about to give up on him. He's probably laying there. Like if I, when I picture this in my mind, I imagine Jesus laying on his back, like just staring and like looking at the sky. And Satan, you know, with his pitchfork and hooves and, 
you know, or if you like the Hercules version, you know, what was his name? Um, Hades, you know, with the, the, the fire cloak and stuff, whatever version of Satan you like best. Just walking around be like, hey, you know, Jesus, you could just turn the rocks into bread. No one else is around. No one is even going to see you do it. It's been 40 days. Your fast is surely over. I mean, you get the, I mean, like this is a little bit more elaborate than just, hey, Jesus, turn the rocks into bread. You're cool. You're a superhero. He is tempting something and trying to allure something in Jesus that most of us could never understand how desperate Jesus is right now to eat something. I want to ask you this. Are you at the point in your life and your spiritual walk where if the thing you've been desperate for for so long was presented to you that you could be able to say, you know what? I don't think that's from God yet. That's the very thing I want. That's the very thing I've prayed for. That's the very thing I know I need. But I'm not sure if that's from God. I mean, are we a people that could be able to say no to that? I mean, how many of us would be like, dude, that's the answer to my prayer. So many of us, we pray about like, man, I've just been lonely and God, I've been praying about my loneliness and I have no friends and I'm just so desperate. I don't want to be forever alone. Some of you, you know, I'll pick on the young adults. I always pick on the high school kids. Young adults are really bad about this. I just, I'm the only single one. I've just been praying to God and praying to God that I'd find somebody. And I've just been praying to God and all of a sudden, Oh, hoochie daddy shorts comes walking to church <laughs> with extra large t-shirt and the flat bill and he sings he sings I thank God real well you know what I mean I saw this that person at movement this past week they live across the country but they were looking at me yeah, I don't act like I don't know God always tells me who you people are dating I'll tell that story another night. Um, what was I talking about? Anyway, I picked on the young adults. Right, 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 right. And then I'm going to move on from this point, I promise. But honestly, are we so, is our desire and our desperation to make sure that we receive things from God and not that we conjure it up ourselves? Right, so picking on, going back to this hypothetical single young adult who just wants nothing more in the world than to find their soulmate and their forever. Can I just be honest? The temptation for so many people in that season is not going to be, it, it will be a false, let me put it this way, it will be a counterfeit to what you are seeking for. Satan is always ready with a counterfeit. You know what a counterfeit is? Right? Like a $3 bill? Right? You know what a counterfeit is, right? You all understand? Okay. It's fake. He's always, he's always prepared with a fake. And in fact, like if, if, if I could spend, I could talk nothing, I could talk the rest of the night about this one thing. Satan's always prepared to offer you a fake. He was, he's always prepared to offer Eve a fake. He offers Jesus a fake. He's always ready. He knows what you want. He knew what Judas wanted. He offered it. He knew what Eve wanted. 
one of the only things that she wanted, and he offered it. Don't be so fooled to think that Satan doesn't know what you want and that he wouldn't try to offer something real close, real, real close. This can be true in, in seeking out job opportunities one day, careers, people to date, friendships. We've got to become really good at identifying what is, what is God's goodness and what is his promise and what is his timing and what is a counterfeit. Let's go to the next one. Verse 5, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, Satan, about to quote Psalm 91, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he, Satan quotes scripture to Jesus out of Psalm 91. Jesus says to him, again, quoting out of Deuteronomy chapter 8, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. There are two tactics the enemy's using on Jesus right here. The first, he is testing Jesus' identity. That's why he says, and I, think, I believe he said it the first time too, he says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And then not only does he say throw yourself down, then he quotes to him scripture. If you have not picked up on this yet, I, I just need you to understand that your enemy knows scripture better than you do. I think James is the one who says, I think it's James. I could be totally wrong. I think it's James. We're just going to go with it. I think James is the one that says, like, even the demons know the scriptures and they shudder. Your knowledge of scripture does not save you. Okay? Your knowledge of the scriptures, your knowledge, let me put it into this way, your knowledge of God does not save you. There are spiritual beings that know God and know scripture and were there when it was written. And know the writers and the authors. Knowing the truth and living by the truth are not the same thing. Yeah. Understand? Yeah. Knowing what is right and living right are not the same thing. And sometimes we just fall backwards into like, well, I know God. I know what's right. I know what the word says. I know, I know, I know. Grandma made me go to church. I know. I've been to church on Easter. I know. I always hear people say this phrase. I'm like, are they saved? Well, they know God. They've been to church. Well, we, uh, we, uh, we know what Easter is. And it's always like this really weird answer of like, ah, oh, that's almost more depressing when you put it that way. Like when you say, um, yeah, they know who God is. They just don't really love him. It's a lot more depressing. Like, no, they don't believe in God at all. But anyway, I digress. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. So, again, Satan is tempting Jesus, saying, listen, think about how great this will be for your ministry. His ministry has not gone public yet. He's not performed a miracle. He is taken, it says, he is, then the devil took him to the holy city, so he's been taken to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, the Pharisees are around. The people are around. He said, hey, let's start your ministry right here, right now. Jump off the temple. Angels will save you. 
Here's, a, here's the scripture. You know it. You know it to be true. You jump off this right now. The angels will take care of you. You'll land beautifully in the inner courts of the, of the, or the outer courts of the temple. All the Pharisees will know your God. Everyone will worship you. Do it. Again, we start to break this down. Satan is tempting Jesus with what he wants. He is tempting him with a, a false narrative. He is tempting Jesus with a counterfeit. He is, he is testing Jesus' obedience. He is testing his timing. He is testing a lot of things right here. But again, he's not coming to Jesus and just being like, hey, you want to overthrow the world? You want to kill everybody? He's not doing that. What he is doing, though, is saying, this is, hear me, I want you to catch this. What he is saying, you and I both know what will happen if you were to do this. And God would take care of you. How many times do we mess up or do we fall short because we have this, <clears throat> we have this false sense of security? God's going to take care of it. God will forgive me. I know where the altars are. No one's going to know. I'm with my friends. How many times do we do stupid stuff simply because we're like, you know what? This probably wouldn't be that bad. And we settle. We settle for something that's not God's best. We settle for something so, um, sorry. I told you I'm losing my voice. You're just going to have to bear with me. So let's say school goes back in. Where's Joel? There's Joel. Pick on Joel. And say Satan, hypothetically. Okay, this is all hypothetical. This is not God speaking. <clears throat> hypothetically, Satan comes to Joel and is like, Joel, you're you, president. What are you in the band at Mosley? Presidente? Very cool. Um, president of the band, Mosley's band right here, Joel Carmichael. Satan, yeah, give him it up for him. Let's <clears throat> say Satan comes to Joel. Says, Joel, you know, make you one of the greatest presidents in all of history in the Mosley Band. You just need to, you need to win. You know, win over everybody. You need to talk the way they talk, Joel. They would relate to you more if you would just cuss a little, if you would just joke a little. Everyone here would probably be more comfortable with you as the, Mo, as the, as the Mosley Band president if, if you hung out with, if you went to the, the, the right parties afterwards, afterwards, the people would like you more. They'd relate to you more, right? And that, and in that, Joel's got to make a decision. Joel's got to make the decision. Not only is does he have to decide who he's going to be, but also who is he going to be when no one else is around? Because see, this is one thing that I think is going that that would be going through my mind. Jesus is probably is weighing the options here, and saying, if I do this. It might not be a bad idea. Everyone will then in Jerusalem see that I am God, that I am Jesus, that I am the Savior. There would be no arguments. But where was the direction coming from? Was Jesus hearing this directly from the Father? Or was this, again, a counterfeit idea? It, the timing is all bad. Some of you will save yourself a lot of trouble with what you're tempted because listen, maybe I should have I should have explained this at the beginning of my sermon, so just forgive me. Like I said, I'm a little rusty. To sin 
To sin means to miss, to miss the mark. And so, so many of us, we think about temptation. When I say the temptation, you think, most of us, we think about temptation means evil, right? We usually don't use the word temptation in reference to things that are good. We typically don't say, I was really tempted to pay for my friend's lunch today or their Starbucks. We usually don't use that kind of verbiage, right? We always say, we use the word temptation or tempted when it's something bad. Like, I was really tempted to slap the snot out of this kid earlier. Right, so we always associate temptation, because the word temptation really actually means to test, and to sin means to miss. And so can I just tell you that when, when your enemy comes to tempt you, he really, what's happening, he is coming to test you on if you, if you know what is God and what is not. I don't want you, again, this, is, this should have been my intro, so just rewind a little bit. Whenever we're talking about temptation, we're talking about the tactics of the enemy. He is not coming for, to get you to decide like what's necessarily good and bad. And if you'll grab a hold of this concept, you will really grow spiritually. What, what happens when, when Satan is coming to Jesus right now, he's not tempting him with like, again, evil. He's tempting Jesus to know if he can hit the mark, which is the father. If, if the mark was, hey, Jesus, your ministry is going to start out small. Because again, we read, the, we read the gospels. Jesus always does something. It's like, hey, don't tell anyone. We just, this just happened. So Jesus knew the plan that the father had for him was to really kind of be quiet. The idea Satan is offering to him is to start off with a pretty loud bang at the temple in Jerusalem. Not evil, not wrong, but not the father. It would have missed the bread. The bread's not evil. Bread's not wrong, but it would have missed what the Father told him to do. I want you guys to start thinking about sin and temptation, not in terms of like, I was tempted, I did something bad, and I, 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 I wronged. Me bad. God good. I need you to start thinking about it in the, in the, in the sense of like, here's, here's, where, here's where godliness, here's where holiness, here's where the Father stands. And anything that misses him and his character and his plan for me, his will, his justice, his love. Anything that misses outside of that is considered sin. I always get asked questions. Is this sinful? Is this wrong? Is this wrong? Is weed wrong? But what if it's legalized? Is it wrong again? Does it miss who God is? And if you will start living your life that way, you will become so much more intimate with Jesus. Right. But if we're more concerned about how close we can get to him but, but also doing some of this other stuff. Because, well, it's not technically sin. Technically, Scripture doesn't say this. Give me a break. Script. Scripture. I'm trying to be very careful with my words. Scripture should also illuminate the character and the person of God. And if you will grab a hold of the character and the person of Jesus, you will be able to start answering those questions within yourself uh, and concerning what's sinful and what's not. There are a lot of Christians who act really hateful all the time. Like, well, Scripture. Scripture says. This is what it says. This is what it says. This is what it says. And it's great. I live by Scripture. But the character of God also interprets Scripture. And other Scripture interprets Scripture. We don't get to say, well, Jesus flipped tables in, in the church for selling stuff, so I'm going to go through every time the church is selling crap, I'm going to come in and flip tables. Sure, when you, have, when you understand the character of God and why he was upset and what was actually happening, then you can act that way. 
But man, the, the immaturity to read scripture at service level and be like, oh, that's what Jesus did. I'm going to go do that. But you don't know the character and you don't know the person and you don't know the heart and the whole overarching story of all of scripture put together. You're not going to, you will fall into sin because you don't know God. And there are so, I mean, guys, we could talk about cult after cult, church after church, bad religion people after bad religion people of people who use scripture to accomplish horrible things. Scripture without the character of God can accomplish bad things. And maybe this is a conversation we probably sh- I shouldn't be happening with you guys, but some of you I think really need to hear this. You are being tempted to live a certain way because you don't know the character of who God is. And if you would grab a hold of who God is, Scripture would make a whole lot more sense and it would come alive in your heart. But whenever you're just taking Scripture at face value and you don't actually know who Jesus is and you don't apply the love of who Jesus is and you don't apply the story of redemption behind who Jesus is, you, you, you will be wrong. You will be a heretic and you are a Pharisee. The Pharisees literally came into it. I don't know, this is totally off topic, but we're going here. The Pharisees quite literally came into existence because they took the word and but took the heart of the Father out of the word, but applied the word to everyone's life. And they became Jesus' biggest enemy. They became his number one nuisance and were the ones responsible for his death. People who know scripture, the Pharisees knew scripture better than all the disciples put together. It was not their knowledge of scripture. Their knowledge of Scripture without the heart of the God who wrote this, who is the Scripture, Jesus, quite literally the Word, John 1, 1. You can't have one without the other. And the same is true, again, and hear me, to balance that out, the same is true for people like, I just want to know God's Scriptures really just aren't that important. They're kind of outdated and they don't make sense. You've got to have both in your life. You, 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 those of you that, that deal with the same temptation cycles over and over and over and over and over and over again, it's probably because you have one but not the other. I just want the Spirit, Pastor, I just want the Spirit to take care of it. I just want the Spirit to break my chains. Well, Dinkelstein, the Spirit will break your chains and come alive in your heart if you know the Scriptures. Right. Well, Pastor Garrett, I recite the Scriptures all the time over me. Well, do you have the Spirit? You've got to have both. You have got to have the, the, the word and you've got to have the spirit. I'm, I do not understand why in the year 2023, the church got so jacked up that one side says, you know what, we're going to take the word and we're going to go over here. And the other side, we'll take the spirit and we'll go over here, but we'll never overlap each other. And we'll live in this camp and you live in that camp. And for whatever, and again, I don't know why we're here, but we're here. And for whatever reason, the Pentecostal circle is like, all we need is the spirit to break out in the services and just do crazy stuff. We'll dance, scream, shout, Hallelujah. We've got the other sect here who's like some of the most hateful people on earth, but they know scripture better than anyone. It's amazing that after 2,000 years, we're right back here. Where are the people who know the spirit, but also know the word? These are the things that are necessary for you to overcome these cycles. Some of you live in the same repeating temptation cycles over and over and over again, because you've never once proved to your enemy that you'll break the cycle. To be honest with you, the enemy is not intimidated by your relationship with God. He tempted Jesus. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? He's not like, ah, dang, they said the prayer. Well, let that one go. He's not intimidated by your relationship with God. You think he quit tempting Judas with stuff just because he walked with Jesus? I mean, he tempted Adam and Eve who were perfect and literally knew the Father. 
I need you to understand. Some of you think, some of you need to come off the, the pedestal a little bit because you think you know Scripture and you know the Word, that, that you've got it all figured out and you're holy. Your knowledge of the Scripture does not make you holy. Right. Quoting Scripture does not make you holy. Satan quotes it really well to Jesus. You need both the Spirit and the Word. This is, <laughs> this, that would be revival. That would be a movement. That would be leveling up. To see a generation who knew the Word and knew the Spirit and, could, and, and lived in both of them. Because for, let me just tell you, the two do not contradict one another. They do not contradict one another. And I think for some reason we're afraid that they might. We're like, we just need to kind of keep these two separate. They, don't, they, they can't contradict one another. I want so badly. Y'all got to stop talking. We got to get to the next one. So on their hands I will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord God to your test. Again, one more time. Satan is tempting Jesus' identity. He's testing us who he really is. You are who you say you are. You really are the son of God. You know the scriptures of Jesus. You know the angels. You know how great this would be for your ministry. Jesus says, no, I'm not putting God to the test. Last one. Because I spent way too much time on that last one. Y'all got to listen quicker. Verses 8 through 11 say this. <clears throat> Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. and <coughs> Showed him, <coughs> sorry, all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. It's funny, the angels end up doing exactly what Jesus, Satan says they will do. I'm going to read it one more time. Satan takes Jesus upon a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he says to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Notice the change in tactic on this last one. He started cute with, Hey, in the fast early, eat the bread. Hey, this will be great for your ministry. I got a great idea. It's going to benefit you, Jesus. So really benefit you. Throw yourself off the temple. Let all the Pharisees and everyone watch. Yes, the angels just gently set you down. To now it's like the gloves are off. Say, this is Satan's last offer. It's his last attempt on Jesus. Takes him up, shows him everything. Shows him basically the world. And says, I'll give you everything. I'll give you all of these people if you just bow down and worship me. You know what I think Satan is really tempting Jesus with? Jesus' love for the people. Because he's saying to him, I'll give you a way out. Jesus, I'm going to offer you the easy way out. You and I both know what awaits for you. It's death. We and I both know the cross. You know the things that are waiting for you a few years from now. This is your last chance to get out of it. Take the easy way out. Bow down, worship me. I'll give you the earth. Now, 
Do I think Jesus, sorry, do I think Satan will tempt y'all with that? No. No, I do not. I do not expect Satan to take any of you up to a mountain and offer you all the earth if you would just worship him. We're not going to get into the whole Illuminati thing. What I do think, though, is that Satan's going to offer you an easy way out. Always will offer you an easy way out. And most of the time we take it and we settle and we're totally content to take whatever, uh, what, whatever um, alternative comes about. It happens all the time and it happens in some of the purest ways. It happens in friendships. It happens in sports. It happens in teams. It happens with jobs. It happens with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It happens with the simplest things. Can I get, I need two people. Give me two people. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your name is, Josiah. Engage. Come on. Sorry, Chad, they beat you to it. All right, I need you all to do me a favor, okay? Come with me. Go this way. Okay. I want you to watch something. Gage, come here. Come stand right here. Josiah, come here. Yeah, I know. You're too obedient. Okay. I want you guys, shoulder to shoulder, at the same pace, to just start walking. Okay, so this is what happens. We're walking with God, and Satan is just content. Let's get past the podium. Let's get past the podium. Satan is content to just turn just a little bit. You, see, you keep going, and you go that way. I barely moved Gage. I barely shifted Gage's shoulders. And in the first couple steps, you couldn't tell. You, it looked like they were still close. But eventually they landed and ended up at two very different places. You, you get what I'm you get what I'm Thank you guys. You can grab a seat. What happens so often is your enemy is not just trying to like grab you and throw you and be like, get away from him. I'll just throw you into the pit. All he needs to do, all he needs to do is to get you off course just a little bit. And then he's content with waiting. But we're, we're okay with this. We're okay with just a little bit. I don't need to go to church that often. I don't need to read my Bible that often. It's okay that I don't pray every day. That's crazy. It's okay that I, you know, don't hang out with those friends. It's, or maybe it's okay that I do hang out with these friends. There's probably more often. It probably is okay that I do talk like this when I'm around these people. And we just slowly, so tiny of an angle, begin to take away from the Lord. And at that moment, Satan can take his hands off and just say, gotcha. Gotcha. Because in a matter of months, it might not look like it right now, but in a matter of months, the Lord will be down the road and you'll be in the ditch. I'm like, I don't know how I got here, but good. I used to be such a great kid and I used to know God. I used to just love coming to youth group, but now I just, I'm, you know, dirtbag. I don't know. I don't talk to many people who are like, yeah, one day I just decided to be, you know, just hate God and just not live that way. It always happens with the smallest little compromises. It's always the small compromises. You want to be a person of consistency? You can't settle with compromise. You want to be a person of consistency? You can't take counterfeit. You want to be a person of consistency? You cannot accept something that is not in God's timing. Even if it's a good thing. A good thing and the bad time is still a bad thing. These are the things that, that, that have got to take root in your life so that in September, we're not all sitting here wondering where so-and-so's at. 
Like, well, school got back in, they got real busy. Notice that, G, that Satan, team, you guys can come up. Notice that Satan tempts Jesus and he says, you just, you just worship me. You worship me and I'll give you all this, other, all this other stuff. If only we would be so wise to realize that Satan is ultimately trying to get our worship to go from directed at God to being directed at him. Well, God's crazy, Garrett. I would never worship the devil. That sounds insane. Worship of the world is worship of the devil. Worship directed at anything other than the Lord. What, what, What would you call that? And please don't be so crazy to think everyone on this planet worships something. Everybody. I don't care if they're religious, they're atheists, they're agnostic, or they're a Star Trek fan. Everybody worships something. They, most people worship themselves. Some people worship their phone. Some people worship their jobs. Some people worship their spouse. Some people worship their addiction. Everybody ultimately worships something. And it's the days when we think we're not worshiping anything that we think, okay, well, I'm okay. I didn't really pray. I didn't really read my Bible. I didn't really, maybe I didn't do anything. Maybe I was just in neutral today. I I want you to understand this one thing. When you are not worshiping God, when your affection is not on Him, when your eyes are not set on Him, your enemy is content with that. He can work with that. And hear me, I'm not up here to be like, hey, the devil's going to get you. That's not, that's not me. That's not even the kind of pastor or preacher I like to be. But I do just, I, I want us to, to, to maybe open our eyes a little bit because some of us, the enemy is working in our life, but we don't know why. For one, you haven't identified it. And two, you have no idea how to stop it. Some of you, I think genuinely are stuck in a cycle and you've been there for maybe for months and maybe even years. And we stay in the same cycle of addiction, if it's to pornography, if it's to, to marijuana, if it's to alcohol, maybe it's an addiction to, to acceptance, maybe it's an, an addiction uh, to, to, to my relationship. And we just constantly stay in these cycles that never, ever, ever seem to end. Now, I want to see some of these cycles begin to be break, broken off in your life. And two, I really want to see some consistency. I really want to be a church. I really want to be a youth ministry that I can, like, over this past week, I got to talk to a bunch of different youth pastors, different speakers, people like, man, you got a great thing going on here. You got some great kids, blah, blah, blah. And hear me, we do. We got top-notch people. We got top-notch students in this room, top-notch youth leaders, the best of the best. What I want, what I want to be able to brag about, what I want to be able to, like, hang my hat upon, It's not that we can put on great events. It's not that we can welcome in strangers. What I want to be able to say is that, yeah, my kids are the same people in the summer as they are in September, as they are in November, as they are in January, as they are in March, as they are in April, and year round, you're gonna get the same thing out of high praise YTH. That's what I want to be able to see happen. That's what I want for your life. Not it's football season, so you know half the kids are out, and you know I'm gonna have to get them resaved again around Christmas time, because it's party season. 
and they're drinking after football games every Friday and they think we don't know. That, I, I, don't, I don't want that for you. I've, I've <laughs> quite literally lived that life and there is nothing in that. I don't want that for you. I don't want you to be hyped up on God right now only to like the smallest temptation come and be like, oh, don't have to be lonely. Oh, that'll make you feel better. Oh, friends, but I have to talk like them. Man, I would much, I ain't got time to have this conversation with y'all. I would much rather you guys just deal with a little bit of loneliness in your schools than settle for something less than what God has for you. Loneliness is, hear me, I don't know why, but maybe it's the Lord. Loneliness is, for some of you, a good thing, okay? It's okay to be lonely sometimes. It's it's okay. Maybe, Maybe it'll be okay for, maybe some of you need a season of not having 20 friends. Maybe some of you need a season of not being invited to every single thing every Friday and Saturday. Maybe some of you need a season where no one's Snapchatting you. Maybe some of you need a season. I mean, I can go on and on and on. We can't be a people that looks at what the world has and be like, I want what the world has, but I want also to keep God. I, I, I want to know and I want to see in your life, guys, I want to see some consistency. You're going to come down the mountain eventually. You will. I, need, I want to know that, that we're the same people throughout, not just because we had a great event. Events are awesome. And I believe the Lord started something great. But I also want to see it continue on to be something far greater than just that conference. I want to see you guys overcome things when no one else is looking. I want to see your character develop when no one's watching. I want to see you choose to, to, to talk the talk and walk the walk when none of your youth leaders are there, when you're in a classroom and you're the only Christian in the room. I might not ever know those moments. I might not ever see those moments, but I promise you God does. I promise you he does. And if you will start winning these small victories in your life, you'll put a couple victories together, you, you, will, you will find some consistency. But I think there are some of you that if you were honest, you, you would, if, if, I were to, if you were to really assess your spiritual life and your Christian walk, you'd be like, man, maybe, maybe three months is the longest I've gone and been like really well with the Lord before something happens. It's about how long y'all date. It's about three months before you break up and then you find someone else. You do this, we do the same thing to God. It's a psychological thing of uh, just a, a relational cycle in our minds of we feel like we've accomplished what we need to accomplish with a certain person so that after three months we break up and we find someone else it's just this weird thing you probably heard me talk about it in february but we do the same thing with god it takes about three months for for a teenager for a young person to cycle through the emotions of a relationship with a person and then we come off the high of a new relationship and then we dump that person I don't want you to come off the high of a relationship with the Lord and dump God because some girl or some person in the band or some person at school, you met a new friend, starts meeting the needs you've only ever let be pacified. If God, For some of you right now, God's just a placeholder. And I hate that for you. I hate that for you right now. The only option you have is to allow God, church, to meet your emotional needs. But the moment someone else comes along, boom. The moment an opportunity, an invite happens, taking it. 
because you've not yet really, you've not really uh, become satisfied with who, with, with, with who God is. Don't stand. Um, I'm going to pray for you tonight. Um, I'll have leaders down here. I guess I should go on the stage now because I'm short. I'll have leaders down here if you guys need prayer. But YTH, this is not about... I I don't think we necessarily need another moment. What I do think... What I do think is that some decisions need to be made in your hearts and in your minds to quit falling back into the same cycle after cycle after cycle. Like, doesn't it get old? Doesn't doesn't, doesn't it get old? Doesn't it get tiresome? Bouncing from person to person to fix to fix. We always pick on things like drugs and alcohol and pornography as like the fix, but but we do the same thing with relationships and people. We bounce from friend to friend, from boyfriend, girlfriend, to boyfriend and girlfriend. Sometimes it's God, sometimes it's you know the team we play on or the, the, the instrument we play. Some of you need to genuinely break the cycle in your life where you allow another person or another part of your identity. I'm going to pray for you, YTH. I'm going to pray um, that some cycles begin to be broken. If you want a leader to pray for you, man, they're here for you. Here to pray with you, to counsel with you. But more than anything, I praise. Can we be people who can identify even the good things that come from the wrong person? Can we be able to identify? Can we be so close to God that we can identify his timing? Can we be so close to God that we can identify his will? Holy Spirit, my prayer tonight, my hope tonight, God, is that we can genuinely become a people who are not easily satisfied. Lord, forgive us because we have become a people that can become so easily satisfied by the first thing that's offered to us, the first new friendship, the first new relationship. God, help us to not be satisfied by anything but you. When I read these stories, Jesus, about what you went through after the wilderness, I realize one thing. You are only going to be satisfied by fulfilling the will of your Father. The the will, whenever it came to who you would worship, the will of what your ministry would look like, the will of the timing when your fast would end. You were only interested in satisfying the will of your Father. May the same be said of us, that we are only interested in satisfying the will of you, Jesus. Not the will of our flesh, not the desires of our flesh. the desires that you have for us, Jesus. May we only be satisfied by you. May we only ever be satisfied by you, Jesus. Make us hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, I pray as we leave from this place tonight, that we would hunger and thirst for your word. We would hunger and thirst for your spirit. 
that we would become a people that could only be satisfied if it came directly from the source, that we would not be satisfied nor be content with counterfeits or fakes. Help us to come people that are consistent. We love you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. The band's going to play a little bit longer. If you need a leader, they're here to talk with you, pray with you. If you need to go, you are dismissed. I just want you to respect those that, that, that might need some ministry tonight. But we love you, YTH. I will, we will see you Sunday morning. We will see you next Wednesday. If you need to go, you're dismissed. If, if for those of you that need to linger, hear me real quick before y'all start doing whatever else you're doing. I want you at least to take a moment and do a little self-assessment of yourself. And I want you to at least ask yourself, what satisfies me? My school comes back in session, what, what satisfies me? I think some of you need to ask yourself, do I live cycle to cycle? I want some of you to ask yourself, what are the things I don't feel very confident in that if I were to be tempted by this, this, or this? Because only you get to answer those questions. Only you get to be that person. I can't do that for you. None of us can do that for you. Ask yourself tonight, what satisfies you? I love you guys. Leaders are here if you need them. If you need to go, you can go. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a uh, young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way. And God bless.